Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that takes advantage of the fact that, quote, listening to music engages large-scale neural networks across the entire brain, end quote. Got that from Psychology Today. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. My guest today is Angel Duncan. She's Director of Education and a clinician at the Neuropsychiatric Research Center of Southwest Florida, Executive Arts Director at the Cognitive Dynamics Foundation, and she's on the Research Council Committee of the American Art Therapy Association. She's a widely published author and peer reviewer. In her spare time, Angel enjoys acting in theater, which she's been doing since the age of five. She's involved in the improv troupe Harry Senior Moments. She loves to travel, do yoga, engage in the arts and sciences, and spend time with her husband, Dr. Joseph Cramp, who's at Florida Southwestern State College. Her name popped into my head for this show when an old friend and coworker told me what we were doing with this show had some overlap with the world of music therapy. Well, that reminded me of the film Alive Inside, which we screened on opening night of the 2014 Fort Myers Film Festival at the Barbara B. Mann Performing Arts Hall in Fort Myers. And that reminded me of Angel, because she was involved with the panel discussion that followed that screening. It's actually how I first became aware of her. We've been Facebook friends since about then, but have never really talked, especially about the seemingly magical connection between music, memory, and being. But now's the time for all of that. So here we go. Hey there, Angel. Hey. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Did I do? I'm good. Did I do okay with You're the intro? Brilliant. Oh well, I don't know about that, but at least it was accurate. We'll strive for accurate. Um, let's start with Alive Inside because, you know, when we were conceptualizing this show, I actually brought it up to Richard because I was like, "Oh, have you, are you familiar with this?" And he wasn't, so we kind of talked about it. But I didn't really think about it much more than that. But for our listeners who don't know what it is, brief description of what it is. And how you're connected to it. Alive Inside actually won the best audience award, most received. That audience loved it. It is a movie that Michael Rossetti Bennett directed. Dan Cohen founded Music and Memory Foundation. And uh, Michael went around following him and videotaped his work on music with persons with Alzheimer's disease. And how these feelings came alive and it's just a fantastic documentary on the effects of music on the brain. It's won many awards. It's all over the world. And it is available on Netflix and I believe the DVD. You know, I remember – and you say it brings feelings alive. It, it seemed like it brought even more than feelings. It brought you know words and, and people singing. And I remember being in that audience and everyone was crying. The whole audience was crying yeah. because it was so touching to see what you were seeing. And is he still, you know, like the Johnny Appleseed of iPods in, oh, in yes. nursing homes? Is yes. that still going? Because yes. Ab- it seems like I, I, I felt like I should start a Kickstarter. And you know what I mean? It was so motivating, but of course I didn't. But and so that's still propagating Absolutely, and still Absolutely, yeah. On. A lot of facilities. Because when you think about it, music highlights and activates the entire brain, which a lot of things don't. And you're getting the same benefits as almost psychotropic drugs. You're getting that dopamine release when you listen to the music. It's that feel-good pleasure reward system, especially with people that have Alzheimer's and related dementias. It usually puts them in a positive feeling. 
And it enhances their quality of life. So it's giving, instead of giving them a uh, medication that's going to subdue their personality and decrease their depression and agitation and be, let them become zombies, the music's going to let them become alive and have meaning and dignity. What is the musical background of your childhood? I'm, I grew up with everything pretty much. I mean, I also grew up with very hippie parents. Okay. That's my yes. Angel is my real name. I get asked that a lot. So, yes. You got a hippie. It wasn't name? Star or Sunshine or anything like that. Is there a hippie middle name in there too? Actually, no. It's Christine. Oh, okay. That, Christine. That's where they could have put the star. <laughs> Glad they didn't. Um, but uh, so my mom. I mean, I grew up with a heavy influence of like the Beatles and the Moody Blues, Joni Mitchell, all those folk, Bob Dylan. I mean, those were the people that I grew up with. And then, of course, I'm a product of the '80s. So <laughs> 80s is huge. But as I've gotten older, um, I remember going to a old record shop in San Antonio, Texas, and I had grabbed country songs, uh, Iron Maiden, Quiet Riot, and then Chopin. And uh, the guy checking me out was like, I don't know if you need music. Yeah. You need a or DJ. are these gifts for people? <laughs> <laughs> no. Where uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where I was born and raised there. I lived in Austin. Then I spent almost 10 years in the San Francisco Bay Area huh. and then moved out east to New York City, New Jersey, and now I'm down here. What brought you here? The work, work in Alzheimer's. I was in uh, New Jersey and Manhattan and uh, – my husband had finished his doctorate, and we were just looking for change. And then everybody kept telling me, if you're working on Alzheimer's, you should move to Florida. Hmm. Um, had you ever been to this part of Florida? It sounds like this is a different world than the worlds you'd been in, San Francisco. Man, you know, Going from San Francisco to Manhattan to Fort Myers was pretty shocking. Um, and it took me a while to get adjusted, honestly. But um, I, I love the – I just – I love it. I love the work. And and the people are pretty nice here. They're very nice. And actually, that's what's kept me here is my work and the people. I was actually really pleasantly surprised at how awesome our arts community is because that was like one of the first things that I asked was like, what's the theater like? What's the art like? And it's it's just – it's eclectic. It's raw. I love it. Did you um, ever play or still play any instruments? Are you a musician? I grew up um, – I did take – I come from a very musical family. My father was a drummer, played the piano. Um, my grandmother, same thing. So both sides of my family all were piano players or violin players. And so I grew up with with that and singing, a lot of singing. So um, I took piano lessons at a very early age, but I actually learned better playing by ear. So I can play pretty well by ear, and I love playing the keyboard. Oh, do you have one now? Is it a, is it part of your life? No, in, when on I some moved, level? I wish when I moved from Austin to San Francisco, I had a large keyboard that I couldn't take with me. So a girlfriend asked if she could borrow it, and she's had it for like twenty years now. <laughs> so. uh, right, I have, I have a guitar <laughs> that left like that. Uh -huh. um, uh, what was your favorite song to sing and Here, play? I my when I first grew up, it was uh, the Sound of Music. Oh, I went to the that. Hills was a, are alive. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, yes. Was yeah, that, was it annual tradition on TV? I'm sure. Four years old, and that was the first film that I remember seeing. My mom said she took me to see Bambi, but I don't remember. I was too young because I think and, she and told me. You don't me, sing to Bambi, do you? No, okay. I was running up and down the aisles and got everybody in trouble. Um, now, the sound of music, I was mesmerized, and I would go to my grandmother's house and just sing every word. But being the Beatles was definitely hands down the most influential because of my mother and my father and my grandmother 
they all played it. Ubla di, ubla da, and then here comes the sun. Was that hit me at a young age? I was four years old, and my mother's what Chevy, huge that green seventies car, yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the A track, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and here comes the sun came on, and I remember her telling me a story that when my dad. When my biological father was in the army, he was coming back and he had sent her a card and all it said was, here comes the sun. So he was coming back and that just really had a – it just hit me and it's just been my favorite song ever. You know, when I'm sad, when I'm happy, it's it's been my go-to song. And you sign your professional emails off with it at the you bottom. You noticed. Right? Yeah, I did notice. <laughs> I was waiting to bring that up. Yes. Here comes the sun, George Harrison, who was my favorite Beatle. Um yeah, it's just it's it's positive. It's just for me, it's a feel good. Like, you know, even when times are rough and hard and challenging and there's so much that we can't control, just know that here comes the sun. And I remember doing yoga in Jersey and our instructor said, you know, it was really overcast and winter and gloomy. And he said, just remember that even though we're in these gloomy days and it's overcast, the sun is still there. Did you ever learn to play that on the keyboard? No, it's a very difficult song from what I hear. Yeah, I, I some dated, Beatles songs are way more complicated. I dated and, musicians and I'd be like, can you play it? Can you play it? And they couldn't. And I'd be like, oh, you know, so, but uh, no. So uh, as a kid uh, with uh, the hippie parents, what was there? Was there records being spun? Oh, was there, you mentioned the eight tracks in the big station wagon had, was yep. what I was picturing anyway. <laughs> it wasn't a station wagon. It was just one of those big ass green cars. Um, no, we had the eight track um, records. I still have. I still have my record player and I still have all my vinyls. Oh. And, and it's funny because I remember when tape cassettes came out really big too back in the 80s and all my friends were going to the tape, the cassettes. I didn't want the cassette. I wanted the album. Hmm. Do you still play albums around uh, the house? Yes, I do. Do you – is that how you mostly listen to music or do you also use you know streaming services with Bluetooth speakers or Alexa or whatever? All of the above. Um, music is just ingrained in my body. It's – you know, I, I – I think I told you I could go on a show, you know, who's what's your life, who's your life, and it would be nothing but movie clips and soundtrack songs. You know, it's um music's a huge part of my life and I have it on all the time. Even at work? Yes. Oh yeah. I have yep, not even at work. I it's volume's down and down of course. Yeah, and if yeah. I'm seeing a patient it's turned off, but yes. What's your favorite song to sing? Oh God. At, just about anything. I, 70s, 60s, 80s. I'm very eclectic. It does depends the, on my mood. Does the answer change if there's somebody around? Like, it could like be. Do you, are you afraid to sing? Not, or not afraid. Are you shy about singing in, in front of people versus no, singing I, like in the shower or I'm in the a car? secret karaoke lover. I love karaoke. Oh. And I will say I have no, I have no shame. When I, was the last <laughs> time you did karaoke? Uh, when I was in Nashville, I was in Tennessee for a conference and I got to go and it was just – so much fun. What did you sing? So I have signature songs. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> um, Carly Simon, You're So Vain. Okay. That's one of my songs. Um, then a country song. Get a little song. sassy with it. Uh, <laughs> Susie Boggess, um, Outbound Plane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've done some duets. Uh, just as a joke, I did um, Meatloaf. Oh. I'll do anything for love. Oh yeah, it was all like Seton Hall kids. And they, it was like science. You could order a pin drop. When it, finished. it was like okay, that didn't work. And uh, Mia, um, what's that song where she's got chandelier? No, uh, it's one of those ones by Mia that everybody's shocked that I actually sing. Uh, yeah, and the only reason I knew to say that was Richard whispered it in my ear. Uh. So. <laughs> 
Okay, we're going to move on to your first song. Um, it is Here, Here Comes, Comes the, the Sun. Um, was this the first – one of the questions I ask is, is, this, is what was the first music that you remember moving you? Would The Sound of Music been that answer or would this be that answer? This one, for sure. This yeah. one had the most psychological impact. I mean, music is – it's psychological. It's autobiographical. After, after, well, we'll get into this later and we're going to do a little extra interview after. But as you went through your schooling down the road to being the person who you are professionally, were you consciously and constantly aware of like your bond to Here Comes the Sun and, and music and the way it fit into your life? Or was it just – did you not make that connection because it was too obvious? Maybe, maybe a little of both. Um, if you ever seen the movie Muriel's Wedding – um, where is she? Tony Collette. And she, her song is Dancing Queen, which I love. It's one of my favorite, favorite songs. And even when she's sad, she would just always go to her room and that would be the song. That was it for me. And that was always my go-to song. And I think I was conscious and not conscious of, of what it was, but it's always just been a very instrumental part of, of my being. I played it at my wedding. I'm going to play it at my funeral. Somebody is. <laughs> no, could be me. Don't know. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Who knows by then? Uh, well, let's hear it then. Uh, this is "Here Comes the Sun" from that band called the Beatles from their 1969 album Abbey Road. This has been your song since you were four. Since I was four. Can you think of a time? Or, um, there's probably more than several, but can you remember a time when it was particularly important to you? For whatever reason. It's been important throughout my entire life, especially during the challenges, I think, because, you know, life is ups and downs and some of us have more downs than ups. Right. <laughs> and uh, there's been periods where it's been really bad. And it's just my reminder that there is a sun and it is going to come out and just be grateful and thankful for the life that you do have and make the best of what you can. Is there a next Beatles song that you love? Probably Obladi Ublada, and that's only because it, I didn't. I wasn't around my biological father a whole lot, and so. But my memories of him are, are fun and good, and uh, I just remember being a small child and sitting on the couch while he would play this for me, the, the Ublada Ublada of my grandmother. And, you know, in high school, you know, as teenagers, everybody's, you know, histrionic, narcissistic. Yeah. And uh, I would get upset and say something and I would talk about the stress of my life and she would smile and say, life goes on, ooblada, ooblada. I have a, a very firm memory of a, a friend of mine at his wedding. Um, it was like him and his mom's song and they played it and the two of them got out on the dance floor and just acted like total goofballs and sang it at the top of their lungs and it was the most beautiful thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, how often do you listen to the Beatles? You listen to music constantly. Are I do. They, are pretty you, much like, every... It's like a Pandora channel yes, thing? Yes, the Beatles, absolutely. And I got to check off my one of my bucket list when I got to go to London last year. I was determined to find Abbey Road and cross it. Did you like take a picture? Many. Did you have somebody find you on the live camera and take a screenshot? My husband sat in the middle of the street. and I'm just like, I'm going to keep crossing till you get it right. So he just kept taking picture. But yeah. Oh, was there a lot of people there? Oh I mean, yeah, it was. We we're walking around, and I'm just trying to go with my senses. And he's like, "You're. We have no idea where this is." And all of a sudden, you just see all these people crossing a street. And I'm like, "That's it." Oh, I figured there would be like signs or no, something. No, it's in they a keep sub- it low key. It's in a oh. it's in a quiet little neighborhood. They make you work for oh, I'm it. sure the people that live in the houses are just ready to scream. But yeah. yeah, it's probably like Groundhog Day for them. It's just like, look, there's yep. people Every acting day. pictures Abby across Abby the street Steve. again. Um, what was the first music that you owned yourself? 
My first record that I remember that I was so obsessed about was Madonna, Like a Virgin. Ah, you know, I, that was gifted to me like uh, on a cassette really? when I was like in like seventh grade, I think. And were you excited? Well, I, I think I might have asked for it. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, but it's funny because at the same time I asked it for I asked for what was it, Twisted Sister, and uh, and, and the, the Police. So that oh. was my weird seventh grade triumvirate. Yeah, yeah. No, it was Madonna, and then I remember we were the first street on our block to get cable television. Mm. So we got our cable box. Yeah. And as a gift, they let us pick out two records. Oh. And my mom let me choose. And so, and I still have them to this day. I still play them. I got Flashdance and Staying Alive. Oh, wow. <laughs> Staying Alive. Oh, um, uh, um, mixtapes. You seem like you're probably in the sweet spot for mixtapes. Were you a mixtape maker? Were you a uh, mixtape yes. receiver? Both? Both. Both. I And I still have them. I have tapes that boyfriends have put together and make. And then I've made tapes uh, for my friends. And I, and I have done it for uh, – I actually have only made an, a cassette for two people. And that was one of my best friends and my husband before we got married. Um. And yeah, my mixes are all over the place. Now that you study the brain and you think about how music, you know, the whole mixtape idea was to sort of insert your psyche musically into somebody else or hopefully it would stick. Did you even think about it that way or what was your sort of mentality in terms of the mixtape and why you would give it to somebody and why you would choose the songs that you chose? Well, for me – I, I did the tapes because the person was so special to me at the time. And like my husband, you know, I met him at a really, really horrible time in my life. It's probably one of the worst times of my life ever. Where was that? In California, okay. in the Bay Area. And then he moved away. We were really good friends for so long. And um, we got to be close. And I healed. And he just meant the world to me. And so there were certain songs that made me think of him. And they were all happy. And to have – Happiness in my life again that was consistent that stayed more than a day or two mm-hmm. was was pretty profound. So it, it was yeah. So it was significant, and I thought I'm going to make him a CD. And this is when he had moved to Jersey, and I was still in California. So I did that for him. Can you remember any of the songs that were on it? Oh yes, he does. In fact, he still plays it, and he'll play something. He'll look at me and wink or smile. And has he like digitized the CD now into it is on his, so that way it can't be lost. It's to on the his scratches. <laughs> it's on his iPod. <laughs> <laughs> What's he call it? You know, Angels, it? Angels mix. Angels mix. Uh, um, what is a uh, the band if you had to? Uh, back up one layer and and say the band that almost made it onto your list. I guess you know I kind of know because of you know what your second song there. Oh, uh, you know yeah, what was, was your fifth song? Oh my god, <laughs> it was so hard. It, well, you know what? At first, I was overwhelmed, and I was talking to friends and thinking. Did you, and immediately, I only I only had one friend that knew exactly what he would pick. I'm like, no, I said okay, but for me, it was just like I can't pick. I don't know. There's too many. But then the researcher in me and the psychologist, you know, in me, you went to collect data. Yeah, I, I'm anal- I overanalyze and I analyze everything. So I went back and I what I decided to do was get out of my head, get out of the thinking, and just look at my mix. So I sat there looking at all of my songs on my iTunes, and I realized. There are songs that specifically remind me of a person. I mean, relationships. You know, it's a whole lot of relationships. My grandmother, my mom, my boyfriend, friends. And some that are just feel good. I just love the song because it feels good. It makes me feel good. Or it's an angry song and it makes me angry and I love running to it. uh, Or it's just sad. And 
And then I realized there are actually just very few songs that really were life development songs for me. And that's when I realized with psychology for me, I was thinking, you know, yeah, music is very psychological in our development and especially in your neurons and your con- connectivity. And then you got to wonder, like, does music help define your identity? Is that who you are and your personality? And I believe it is. I believe it's a huge part of who you are. And I see it with Alzheimer's disease, too. But in terms of like what specific songs, there are so many um, that I couldn't – I can't really say right off the top of my head because there are. I, I, I really – I did actually really dabble with Michael Jackson. Oh, OK. Um, Human Nature, mm-hmm. my favorite <laughs> Michael Jackson song. So that was almost on the list. And then um, Carly Simon, there was a couple on my list. And uh, I thought about some country songs because I hated country. And here I'm from Texas. Yeah, yeah. Didn't like it. I actually didn't start appreciating it until much later on in life. And now I love I love it now. But there are even some country songs. But some of them were a little too personal that I didn't – I wanted to just keep to me. Gotcha. Hmm. Um, well, I appreciate you deconstructing that so well. Um, I recently read – and I'm sort of paraphrasing here. But there was some new research out. Was, I read about it on some British publication uh, about how we sort of crystallize our musical tastes at some point in our life. And then later in life, we don't really keep – Blending. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. There was a Simpsons episode with, <laughs> with Homer where he talks about how he's going to be hip and cool forever. And it's the same music like from like the 1970s and he can't change. Um, you know, the brain is so complex that and everybody's different and unique. So you can't really – it's not for me. I don't think that's fair to say that because we're not all the same The same people. Right. That's, that's how it resonated with me. Because everybody is different. Like me, there's music that's brand new right now that most of it I don't like. You know, I work with the kids from the David Lawrence Center and there's stuff they're playing. I'm like, oh, but then there's stuff that I do like, you know, and I'm 45. And I think even my aunt who's like in her 60s and my mother, I mean, I, even this woman in her 80s who was in my office the other day, she's talking about Justin Timberlake. I mean, that's not what she grew up with. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't think that's fair to say that. You know, um, not to go too far down the rabbit hole here with the brain science stuff, but you've been doing this long enough that the brain scanning technology has come so far to where we're looking closer and in realer time than we ever could before. What's happening up there when the music's playing? Your brain's doing amazing things. Um, music's one of the only things that really activates the entire brain. And as I said earlier – I'm glad I picked that quote for the opening then. I was, try- <laughs> I was trying to be clever. I think I was accurate too. You're tapping in. Um, no, there's your, – your brain's being fired up. As I said, you release that dopamine and you're stimulating and you're coding because you, you code music. And like musicians in particular have larger regions in their brains um, like the corpus callosum. It's, it's a bundle of fibers that connect the left and the right brains. They actually have more of the fibers and there are certain areas that are bigger and larger and they're more alert and they're using more of their senses, you know, vision – Hearing, touch, fine movement, those types of things. So your brain is definitely developed differently. And then I thought, well, what about the people who don't play music? Mm -hmm. You're just listening. But the research has shown that, especially with all these different scans that are coming out, it's just fascinating all the – I think technology is moving faster than we are Mm -hmm. as people. But there are scans that can really doing some pretty cool innovative things and showing that even just listening to music – you're activating the brain still. You're tapping into those things. And then you've coded, you know, there's certain songs that put you right back to that time and place. And if it's, you know, like things that were really exciting for you and things that were really traumatic for you, like everybody, you know, who was around during the Kennedy assassination knows exactly where they were. Right. Or when Princess or, Diana or died, you know. Challenger. 
exactly. Yeah. You know where you were and what you were doing because that was deeply coded. You, you, you got it. So in music is the same way. And just to kind of give a little plug, you know, Dr. Rudolph Tanzi, he's like the creme de la creme of Alzheimer's research. He's huge. He's at Harvard. Um, plays, plays with Aerosmith. The guy's literally a rock star. And it's like he, Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> uh, no, he's amazing. And um, he's got an app called um, Spark Memory Radio. And it's on Android and iTunes. And it's specifically for people with Alzheimer's disease. And the research is he's done behind that. And it is accessible. He's got a, an app and the, you can go to the website. You say coding in the brain. <clears throat> is it correct to say that, that – uh, Memories are physical changes in the brain. That's an interesting question. Um, I I I am stuck on this, and I for years I've been kind of stuck on this theory and asking the question: Does your memory is your identity uh, your memory? And what happens when you have Alzheimer's disease and you have neurons that are diminishing and dying? And they can't do, you know, it's like your activities of daily living. They can't have judgment or reason or a comprehensible, meaningful dialogue and take care of themselves. They have to have full-time care eventually as the disease progresses. But then you put on the music and everything comes alive and awake. And I'm an art therapist. So I will have them, speaking of the music and memory and Alive Inside Foundation, um, they'll listen to their music with their, their personal headphones and paint. So now I have a visual of what they're seeing inside their mind, mm-hmm. and they can sit down and tell me what this means to them, what the music reminded them of. It takes them back to that place. So you have to wonder, you know, as neurons are dying, where are these memory pockets stored? Exactly, yeah. So I think science is getting a little, you know, we're definitely getting more advanced in being able to research that. But then when you come down to consciousness and identity, and um, I think that there's things that the arts, art and especially music, is one of the best medical modalities because that is tapping directly into the, the person that science isn't. Right. So it's like for me, <clears throat> art is the organization to a disorganized mind. Things come together when they're listening to that. So it's just really just amazing, phenomenal. You get to deal in a really cool world <laughs> as far as I'm I concerned. I love my work. I mean, yeah, I don't want to diss re- – I mean, we need research absolutely. we got to find effective treatments, but we also need to enhance quality of life and our spirits. Um, and, and I just want to remind listeners that we are going to continue this conversation after we finish this traditional episode of Three Song Stories in order to go a little farther down uh, that trail. So we'll post that uh, adjacent to this. Um, it is time for song number two. Okay. Um, now, you – you uh, you presented us with sort of a quandary. You tried to get away with something I that a few other people have tried to get away with. Um, you said that you 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 see so you didn't ask me if you could have four songs. You did it differently. You said here are my four songs. You need to pick one of the middle two for our second song. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that via coin toss here. Okay. Um, but we're also going to uh, talk about just a little bit the three song stories bylaws. The first one is, is that songs must have a specific time and place that they take you to. The second one is, is you can't choose the song you dance to at your wedding unless you've got a really crazy story about it, like you parachuted out of a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something like that. The third one is uh, the number of songs brought shall be three, no more, no less. Four shall not be the number brought, neither shall thou bring two, lest thou bring a third. Five is right out. Thank you, Richard, for writing that down because I don't have that in my brain. So what we're going to do now is we're going to flip a coin and – 
if we come up with heads, it's going to be Ceremony by New Order. And if we come up with tails, it's going to be I Melt With You by Modern English. So let's see what we come up with. It was tails. The coin was tails. Um, you know, I, I'm about the same age as you, and, and that the song doesn't take me back to a particular memory. But man, it's so emotive of a certain sort of period of you know awakening or something. I don't know. What, what's your story with it? The movie Valley Girl. Oh, oh, wow, yeah, <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's yeah. like that's that's awkward young Nicholas Cage. Yeah, I now love that Nicholas movie. I own it. <laughs> <laughs> like totally. No, I love that movie. Um, of course, you know, I'm in like fifth, sixth grade when that movie came out. And of course, we all wanted to be Julie. And we wanted the feathered bangs, you know, with a Aquanet hairspray and hanging at this roller skating rink. And I first heard that watching the movie, um, which you look back and think, yeah, you're kind of young to be watching that. uh, Yeah, it was the 80s. (laughs) That's true. Anything goes. Um, And I loved, like, I just, I mean, the movie, of course, I loved. I mean, and as a a little girl or even like a, I guess, that borderline teenager going into teenagehood, you know, it's just such a feel-good song. Like, I love the movie and I love the relationship and that whole segment with him and her just, you know, parading around L.A. area with that song playing. It was just like that's the kind of relationship you want and it's so carefree. And so for me, you know, and of course, the more they play it and it's just been – became a part of my life as well just because of the relationships I have and the feel-good times and it really is quintessential 80s to me. Yeah. Just you – know, yeah. And, and it is fun and, and as you know, all the things you said, it's also kind of deep. I mean, you know, I'll melt with you. That's like that one line. That's yeah. pretty deep. You it know is. what I mean? Um, it or did, you are never second best. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. It's very romantic. Um, so that was in Texas. Yeah. Was that in any way part of what puts you on the West Coast? Eventually later. You know, it's funny. Um, I actually never had a desire to go to California. So it's ironic the, considering the first song. We'll get to I that know. in a little bit. Yeah, we will. Um, but no, I just it's just something I've always carried with me and every time I've heard it, it puts me right back into the movie and that feel good. Just feel good time in your life as a kid. When was the last time you watched that movie? Actually, I watched it like a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, really? Did it come on or did you seek it out? No, I own it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it for Christmas. So it's part of your rotation. It is. Life rotation. Yes. I feel like I need to go back and watch it now because I certainly haven't thought about it it's for a, a very movie. long time. It's a really good movie. Um, what was your first concert? I'm embarrassed to say this. Poison. Oh, well, why be embarrassed about that? <laughs> I was such a hair band 80s. Yeah, I loved I loved the hair bands. And I was so in love with Brett Michaels. And yeah, but it was Poison. Were you dressed up with the like, you know, trying to channel your inner no, poison in high but school? But I did. This is OK. So, I, you know, I'm a therapist. I have two, de- you know, two de- degrees in therapy. And I actually had a, a this is back when he was doing that show on like Rock of Love or whatever, Brett Michaels. And I actually had a dream. I'll trust you on that. Okay, this is like, yeah, I'm secretly admitting it. Um, two year, two or three years ago, I dreamt I was in a therapy session with him, and I was trying to connect. So I took, you know, he always wears a bandana, mm-hmm. so I actually took a bandana put it around my head to do therapy with him. But uh, no, I had the big, I definitely had the big Texas '80s hair, the blue eyeshadow, the big hair, Aquanet. My mother used to get mad because he'd see hairspray caked to the bathroom door. But no, it was David Lee Roth and Poison. 
Um, did you ever or have you ever in life recreated that look for Halloween or anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was in a play. Um, that was an 80s based play and I had to I did I hot rolled and did the wings and the hair and it was so funny because everybody I remember some of the younger guys that were a lot younger than me were like your hair looks really good you should wear it like that <laughs> Just Those days are over. Just head out into the world with your hair like that starting tomorrow. Right, no. <laughs> um, you, you've done theater since you were a kid. Have you ever done any musical theater? You know, it's funny. I, as much as I love to sing, I never – I love musicals and watching musicals, but I never wanted to be in a musical. And then I was a theater scholar in college, and we did Crazy For You. And we had audition for it, and I specifically re- requested a non-singing role, and I did. I got one of the supporting roles that was non-singing, and the professor caught me in the hallway because he knows, you know, he knows me, and he looked, he just pointed at me. He said, "The next time you're singing," and I didn't say anything. I just walked off. But I love musicals, but I'm not. Don't feel that comfortable. There was being not there. a next time yet. No. <laughs> no. Uh, what about dancing? Love dancing. You're a dancer. When I was in the Bay Area, our Thanksgiving tradition, my my, my best friends, Maricela, playwriter, um, we'd go to the Cat Club. That was in the 80s because Thursday nights was 80s night. And mm. they had like the alternative Susie and the Banshees, Cure, and the back and the front was more pop. You know, Madonna, Michael Jackson. And so we got the best of both worlds. Do you dance these days? I do whenever I can. Not very often. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, is there, a, is there a, an album that immediately springs to mind besides the Beatles that you will always listen to all the way through if you put it on? Probably The Police, Synchronicity. Oh. I own it too and I, and I will listen to that. The other one is Edie Brickell. Ah. ah, I love that album. Shooting I think – yeah, Shooting Rubber Bands at the Stars. I love that album. That's the one with the, my, uh, the philosophy yes. song on yes. it. Yeah. I remember playing that for a philosophy show on Gulf Coast Live years ago. It made ah. me so happy. Um, and The Police, by the way, that was like my first band. Like that yeah. was, you know, I was a police person until I wasn't. Um, so uh, when was the last time you bought music that had a physical form, like a CD, something you could walk out of a store or have shipped to your door? Uh, I can't say that I, I've been gifted. Right. I don't know if that counts, but but what about buying? At me actually going out and buying a CD—it's pro- I can't even tell you. It might have. It's my. It's it was in San Francisco. I will tell you that. I probably at, at Amoeba, Amoeba Records on Hage Street, and that was like seven, eight years ago. Is there a band that you are a fan of um, that you would want to give a shout out to that you think our listeners would not be aware of? God, Something that's... off the beaten path. Oh. I think you're asking hard questions. Um, I'm sure there is. I'm just trying to think. Oh, there was one I was shocked that John Davis got <laughs> on Facebook. I was like shocked he knew it. I was like, yes, he knew it. Uh, shiny Toy Guns. Shiny Toy Guns. Who are they? What are they? What, can I, you compare them to somebody they else? Did a, the, the, what put them on the map was a Verizon commercial. Oh, that seems like a way that in, you know, some independent band. <laughs> and it was are, just a slice of the music, but it was like. I is was that like, how you discovered them? Yeah, and I couldn't, but it was so quick. I just liked the beat, but it was super quick that my roommate at the time ended up looking it up and found it for me. So that means that that works. Apparently, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you know, it's not just Verizon; right? it's not the only one winning it's that in psych- that dynamic. <laughs> Marketing psychology, <laughs> got to be careful. Okay, um, no, that's so interesting because I, I assume that must work, or they wouldn't do it. But yeah, anyway. Um, okay, it's time for your third song. What is it? Going to California, Led Zeppelin. Um, would you? Pr- 
Would you like to tell a story behind it or would you like to listen to it and channel it in the telling of your story? You want to flip a coin? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Heads, heads, you tell the story first. Ooh, it's tells. No, it's, it's heads. Oh, it it's is? one of those weird nickels. Oh. That's heads. Oh, so it's, it's probably a fake. So it's all – was it heads f- on both sides? A fake. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You think I carry a no. fake coin around? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, my fake deck of cards in my other pocket. Um, OK. Tell the story. OK. So going to California – this actually surprised me and it surprised everybody who really knows me well. It surprised them. They said that, that, that shocks me. Everybody knew here comes the sun. No question. Um, this one surprised and I said it's because – when I moved to, when I moved out of Texas, I was so ready to get out of Texas. I would always complain like, oh, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I need to get out. And I had zero desire to go to California. I actually wanted to be in London. I wanted, I'd been trying to get to London forever. It's not working. Um, and then I thought about going to the East Coast in Cambridge at Leslie, New York City, just, you know, figure out something to go to. But I was getting pulled and pulled and pulled to California. Had no desire to be in L.A., so nor- Northern California it was. Had the degree program I wanted. Went out there. My mom drove with me. We made the trip. And I thought it was going to be this amazing experience because everybody just kept telling me how gorgeous the Bay Area is. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It's unlike anything. And so I got pumped up and I got excited. And then my mom left. And the day she left after like the second or third day of me even being in this new complete state, everything went wrong. And I was on the phone crying my eyes out to come home. And my boyfriend at the time, my family, my brother, my mom, everybody just kept saying, stick it out, stick it out. And uh, so I stuck it out. My girlfriend, Maricela, and I, she was like my only friend for so long. And then I met Toby and my mentor, Tony. And I started meeting people and things started changing. And professionally, it really developed me. Then I met – I was in a relationship for four years that was just destructive. It was awful. And it was my growing pains. I, I, you know, I was born and raised in Texas, but I grew up in California and good and bad. And thinking about going to California, it's kind of the same thing. It's this misconception like it's this, you know, flowers in your hair and, you know, this laid back and come here and where everything's cool. And, you know, yeah, it can be like that, but it's also the reality. It forced me to grow up. And it's so it's a special song to me. But when I heard it, that was it for me. It put me right back into California. And it's bittersweet. All right. Let's hear it. This is uh, Going to California from Led Zeppelin. What'd that make you think about? (laughs) My life, summing up my life in a nutshell in California. It really was my my growing pains. Professionally, it really molded me and made me who I am. And Personally, too, I, I would not be the person I am today had it been for that experience. Um, do you listen to Led Zeppelin a lot? Not a whole lot. That, I mean, I, I like Led Zeppelin. I definitely have their music. I still I have the record, too, still. But um, when it, yeah, this is the song that hit me when I was going through it, and I thought, that's it. Um, you know, I hadn't listened to that for a while. I don't listen to the songs in preparing for the show. I just find the songs. And it was amazing how much it brought up for me too that I didn't even really think I remembered. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Those guys were on a whole different level. And ironically, (laughs) what kind of – we're like, whoa, this morning – I haven't heard that in forever, this song. And driving to work this morning came on. Oh. It's like, hmm. Synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. Which ironically, and I'm going back to the Bay Area, and I call it like my quote unquote home because my brother's out there, brought oh, okay. him out there. My, all of my friends, my best friend forever is out there. So yeah, I'm going out next month. Um, 
So part of your research for this show, because I'm your Facebook friend, it was posting sort yes, of an oblique message it. on Facebook about a project you were working yep. on about music yes. and about you. And you collected comments, which I read through, which was very interesting. <laughs> um, can you first just reflect a little bit on that and, yeah. and, and what kind of uh, uh, insights it brought back? And then, well, I, and then I have a follow-up question. Okay. I – this was so much this i'm just i'm the i'm such a brain nerd like i'm just fascinated by the brain and then the whole neuroscience and psychology and um so when you asked me to do this it was just so overwhelming but i was so excited and i could not figure it out i only know my first song i didn't know the rest and then i thought i wonder as i started thinking about music and my work in alzheimer's disease and even i mean music also is the same when i used to work in the psych units with people living with schizophrenia music was really the only thing that would help drown out the voices and that were people that were just traumatized i mean music really is just an, an yeah i can't imagine our world not surviving without music and um, I'm like totally getting sidetracked. I no, know, that's okay. So what? Tell me what you were. Well, just um, well, really, what I wanted to ask you was, so what was it about this song? Oh yeah. That, so I that, asked my friends on Facebook. They, Sorry, I'm getting like so uncle, sidetracked. I'm somebody's like uncle has a tape of something. Yes, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> my cousin. Oh God. Thanks, Jennifer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sitting there getting all my mind about psychology. I was like totally getting distracted. So, yeah. So what I thought is I wonder, you know, how I know how music affects me. And I know music really is a relationship. Re- relate, music is relationships. It is, whether it's a personal relationship to you and to other people and your family and your friends. So people, I thought I wanted to put it out there. What songs make you think of me and why? And some of them I knew when I had friends coming back and say it'll always be this one or this there one. There were a couple that were uh, here comes the sun nerves right there. They went right they to know. it. Those are so. people that know me. Right. Know me. Um, so my cousin was like she's two years younger than I am, so she was like my playmate growing up. And her, I mean, same her dad and was same total music. I mean, all the equipment, everything. Our fathers were brothers, but. Um, so do you remember back in the mall days when you could actually sing and they would cut you a tape? Yeah. Okay. So my grandmother used to take my cousin and I to the mall so we could sing and make a tape. So we did Belinda Carlisle. We did Madonna. Well, one day my grandma just took me and I decided to sing Whitney Houston. That's what it was. Greatest, I've been trying to remember what it was here. It was Whitney Houston. Greatest love of all. And I was probably – I was young. I was, I was in like elementary was school. Was this like karaoke? You had a track to sing along yes, to? Yes. And it was awful. So – my cousin and I actually – she's got a really nice voice. Her daughter, Jessica, is an amazing singer too. I mean music definitely is in the family. But Jennifer and I are actually pretty in sync when we'd sing together. But me singing Whitney Houston, no. That's a big don't. But my grandmother, you know, being a grandmother, would be like, oh, Angel made a tape. Let's <laughs> listen to it. And I'd be like, oh, my God. And so visitors and guests would come over and they're trying to be polite. But you could just see them like, oh, my God. <laughs> You know, they're kind of polite smiling as they're clenching. So my uncle threatened to play it at my wedding. <laughs> he didn't, though. <laughs> no, thank God. I wouldn't let him. And then when my grandparents passed, I was that was actually the one tape I was looking for to destroy it. Any idea if it still exists? I don't think it does. I was pretty thorough. Okay. I did take a bunch of tapes because my grandmother, just, like I said, music's just a huge part of our lives. I did take a bunch of tapes that she had made with me and her. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Just a couple more questions. Um, is there a song that you will always avoid listening to? That's an interesting question. Um, 
There are – I don't know why. Maybe this is something you know that would be interesting to see what science can figure out. But the instrumental song of um, – the song Unchained Melody. Oh. Righteous Brothers. Yes. I can, the song itself is fine. But there's an instrumental version. I think it was like the British orchestra or something. I was in my car one day and it came on. I for no re- I was perfectly fine, no problems. wasn't stressed out. Actually, good day, sobbing, hmm. just sobbing. Um, th- and every time I hear it, I tear up. It makes me, and I don't know why. There's something deep going on. I still can't figure it out. But that song really affects me. The other one is um, called I think Am I Blue. It's from the 1950s. Hmm. And uh, um, the other one is Do You Know Diana Ross. Well, you've got three. My grandmother, that puts me back to her, and I was super close to her, and uh, I have to be in the right place to hear that. But those three songs really can can get the tears going. The Unchained Melodies one that has nothing to do with Top Gun. No, that's Ghost. Ghost. Remember oh, the boo, Jimmy Moore, oh, Patrick gosh, Swayze. Top Gun. What was the Top Gun movie? There was a romantic song in that one. Oh, too. Take my breath away. Ah, Berlin. Yes. Oh, you're good. <laughs> um, okay. Um, uh, last question. Um, what would your 14-year-old self think about how you turned out here today? Shocked, mesmerized, infatuated, I think. I'm completely different, totally different person. All right. Yeah. Any final thoughts? This has just been an awesome experience. I think everybody everybody listening needs to pass this on, and you need to go through your personal files and talk. look at yourself because there is psychology behind music. You know, it can it, tell a lot about yourself. And, and there's been more than one guest who has called me later that night and said, you should have people pay you for this, man. This is like therapy. <laughs> it <man."> is therapeutic, <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you so much for thank doing you. it. I really appreciate the conversation. My pleasure. Thank you. We make three song stories in the WGCU studios on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. The show is produced, directed, and co-created by Richard Chin Kui. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme music was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. And D.P. Workman is our production intern. We're still on the search for listener parting tunes, so if you've got one, send us your story by emailing it to mysongstory at WGCU. We'll get in touch and help you record it for use in a future episode. This week, my parting tune takes me back to an on-campus restaurant at UCF in Orlando in the fall of 1990 called The Wild Pizza. It was my freshman year. I was living in a dorm on campus and for the first time in my life had the kind of time freedom that had until recently seemed impossible. That's when this song was blowing up in a major way. It's Losing My Religion by R.E.M., I can vividly remember sitting in the corner watching the video of it on the big screen. They would project MTV throughout the day back then. This was back when they played music videos on MTV. But this song will forever take me back to the wild pizza as I felt my first tastes of freedom in a town not my own with new friends around me trying to deconstruct what on earth this song meant, especially in relation to who I was and who I was becoming. I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening. Three song stories. It just doesn't do it for me. I need to hear the glass in the shop kind of like shake a little yeah, bit. Yeah, jingle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, really. So I, I test the bass, um, but I don't want to bother the neighbors too. So I'm, I'm trying to be respectful. But um, I do get carried away. I'm, I'm sure you can hear from the street.